Welcome to It Just Makes Sense. A podcast by two easily distracted, higher educated former lovers that explores all of the unpopular opinions, conspiracy theories, and cult leaders that make you want to scream, It It Just just Makes makes Sense. sense. I'm Sam Smith. I'm Jeff Seifert. And And that's Abe chewing in the background. Ugh, my fucking dog. (laughs) And this week we're talking about what the fuck happened to Kurt Cobain. Ooh, this is a good one. Lots also, of opinions on this. Apologize one. for the sound of my voice. However, I if actually, you want to hear, do you like it? I actually think people might enjoy it. Okay, I get it. My <laughs> voice is high and obnoxious. <laughs> Fuck off. <laughs> but if you want to know what happened to it, you have to listen to chit chat. I know, right? This might be more tolerable to most. <laughs> it's. I actually find it a little soothing. Oh. Well, I should have started like an ASMR channel. Right. While I had that. I always wanted to do that. I know. Okay. So most of this information comes from the documentary called Soaked in Bleach. It. I feel like I'm going to have so many little mini strokes because my head's all over the place. But like this documentary wasn't, it was good, but it was, again, it bounces around so much. So it was a little hard to follow, but I'll try to keep it together as best I can. Okay. I feel like I'm going to get a lot of heat from this as well, but... Why? I don't know much about Kurt Cobain. Did you? No. I, I mean, I was I, young. Like, I'm not going to lie. Yeah. I yeah. feel like I was young, and it wasn't my kind of music. It's kind of poignant seeing that his that drummer from the Foo Fighters just yeah. died, too. Mm-hmm. Sad mm-hmm. face. But Kurt Cobain's suicide made a significant impact on thousands of people and the media. But was it suicide? Was it? Dun, dun, dun. So the movie starts with a note that says, and I quote, this film examines the death of Kurt Cobain. It presents conclusions and personal opinions based on the case files and audio recordings from private investigator Tom Grants, as well as other professionals who confirm his findings. So what is wild is that this private investigator has like hundreds of hours of audio between himself and Courtney Love as well as between himself and, like, Courtney Love and Kurt Cobain's lawyer. Okay. Um, So a lot of, like, what you hear throughout this movie is, like, literal Courtney Love, like, telling him these things. It's, like, kind of wild. So it also goes on to say, it is unlikely that Courtney Love will agree with the contents of this film. With respect to the cause of her husband's death, Miss Love's viewpoint is aligned with the official conclusion presented by the Seattle Police Department. But now... It's our turn to decide. What? So it starts off, it kind of jumps around, but the opening scene is April 7th, 1994, one day before Kurt's death. Two men, Tom, who is this private investigator, is with this other guy, Dylan, and they are in Kurt Cobain's residence with an audio recording asking Kurt to come out. So... They don't really explain this, but at the time, Courtney Love had hired Tom as a private investigator to find Kurt Cobain. I he did had know gone that. Missing, right? I recently read an article, and I knew that there was a private investigator yes. involved around the time. Of so his they're searching the house for clues as to where he may have been, as well as where the gun was that he had just purchased in the house. Because Courtney was saying, like, look to see the gun. If it's not there, he has it with him. If it's in the house, then he doesn't. Like, she was kind of saying, like, um, if the gun's been left behind, then he might be okay. So they're looking everywhere, all over the house. Again, it's the night before his death, okay? They find Norhypnol under his bed. 
um, that drugs that Kurt himself had thought he had lost, but they don't find anything else that would give them any idea of where Kurt is. So literally they kind of tear the house apart, but eventually they just take off. Now, are there non-sinister uses of the drug Rohypnol? Like, what is a, other than roofing someone, what do we use Rohypnols for? Unknown at this time. Okay. Thank you. If you want to go into the basement and Google it. Yeah, I'm going to go check with our research department and see what they can come up with. (laughs) So then we get an audio recording of Courtney Love talking about how Kurt had written her another letter along with his suicide note. And it seemed like he had wrote the letter in rehab and she had found it under her pillow in their bed after his death, like the next day. But that's when Tom interrupts her and says, but there's one problem with that story, Courtney. What? I was in your house. I went through your entire bedroom, including the bed. That's how I found the Rehypnol. I looked under your pillows and there was no letter. Huh. And she's saying, listen, I found it. I can show it to you. It was underneath my pillow. I showed it to the sergeant. It was there. So it kind of like, and this is before they even explain who this Tom guy is. So you're kind of like, what the fuck is going on? So that's when you find out that he was hired by Courtney to search for Kurt. Tom believed that what made him a good private investigator is that he applies logic and common sense to what he does. He's seen a lot of suicides and a lot of murders, and he doesn't try to predetermine anything. If he thinks his clients that came to him is in the wrong based on what they've told him, he's going to tell them. Like, he's not going to keep up the lies for them. Got it. And every journalist and other investigators, um, I mean, obviously the movie is kind of from his perspective, so I feel like this is kind of a biased opinion. Sure. But they said that Tom's background... um, it shows that, like, he's a stand-up guy. He's never tried to bamboos- bamboozle anyone. His private investigations have always been straightforward. Love that word. Whatever. Bamboozle. Me too, right? Also, Rohypnol <laughs> was used as a sleep aid. Makes sense. Oh, yeah, that does That makes a lot of sense. Put them bitches to sleep. Right? So Tom says his job as a private investigator is to find the truth in the matter that you're hiring f- him for. So... On April 3rd, 1994, five days before Kurt's death, it's Easter Sunday and Tom was in his office when the phone rang. It was Courtney Love reporting that someone was unlawfully losing, using her credit cards and she wanted to find out who it was. Then they went and met Courtney in the Peninsula Hotel. The first thing she says was, if you leak this to the press, I'll sue the fuck out of you. Really? Good for her, honestly, right? Get it. She said Kerr had escaped from rehab a couple of days ago and no one has heard from him. She called the credit card companies and told them that the card was stolen and that they should cancel it. But it wasn't stolen. Kurt's credit card was being used by Kurt, so he couldn't use it. She felt that if she had if she would cut him off, he would come home. She said that he escaped from rehab, bought a shotgun, and she was nervous for him. He's suicidal and she thinks that something may go wrong. So Tom agrees to take the case, but he said in order for him to take it, like he he kind of says, like, I'm going to be documenting everything. I'm going to be recording every phone call. I'm going to be like filming everything that I do. I'm documenting everything. I think it was kind of like for his own security, too, since it was such a high profile case. So we're off to go talk to Kurt's friends and families in Aberdeen, Washington, where Kurt was from. 
It's a blue-collar, middle-class town. The town itself, it seems like, has a depressing atmosphere, and there wasn't much to do. So a lot of people turned towards like music and instruments and playing in a band. And there were a bunch of bands that came from that town. Bands I've never heard of. So the Melvins, Iron Church. I had never heard of any of these, but I guess they were pretty popular and they became like idols to Kurt. Like he wanted to like become like them. I I never heard of either of those. Yeah. But Kurt was pretty quiet. But and like... This is part of the film where I'm like, okay, well, no one's going to say that. They kept being like, no one saw, his friends and family didn't see him as depressed. He gave a lot of people in the area hope that they can get out of music. They all claimed that Kurt had like courage and talent and they never would have said that he was suicidal. Okay. But I feel like there's such like, um, like you're not going to, like almost like a Robin Williams. Like you know what I mean? Like people never thought that he was suicidal either or... You know, I feel like there's always the stigma of like, well, they didn't seem depressed. Right. A lot of depressed people or suicidal people don't necessarily come off as depressed. Sure. They actually, they say that after they've made the decision, yeah. they actually come off as happy. Right. right. So April 4th, 1994, days before his death, Tom is back with Courtney and she said that the credit card company did report that there was two tickets bought at an airline, but they wouldn't tell her where he was going just that two tickets were bought they were thinking maybe that he was going to see the lead singer of rem um fly out get his guitar from seattle and then fly to atlanta but there's two tickets who was the other ticket for who was it for was he cheating on her what was her name so she starts crying and going on and on about how he was going to leave her and divorce her and when tom asked like well why do you think that she said that he had left her a note in Rome, which was a recent trip that they had gone on, saying that he was leaving her. She then would bring up divorce every time Tom went to meet he with her. He left her a note? Yeah. What a dick. She said the only way divorce would happen would be if she busted him for infidelity. She had no proof of this, but she just felt like he was having an affair with Caitlin, his drug dealer. Huh. However, Courtney seemed to be appear to be super jealous of anyone who came close to Kurt, and she also wanted to know, know every single movement that he made. At one point, she had leaked to the media that she had OD'd and ended up in the hospital so that Kurt would get scared and call her. That did it didn't work? happen. <laughs> like, did he call? <laughs> she also said she all, but another reason why she said she leaked that to the media as well was that she had a record coming out and any publicity is good publicity. Sure is. Um, but Tom kind of told her like at that point, like, let's not leak anything else to the media anymore. Like, yeah, let's, let's just try to find out where he is. So Tom felt like something was going on that was out of the ordinary. Um, and more than what he was being told. So Courtney then files a missing person report with the Seattle police, but she does it in the name of Wendy O'Connor, Kurt's mother. Okay. She didn't file it because she didn't think that anyone would take her seriously. So the media reporting report saying that Wendy filed a missing persons report is false. Because, like, everywhere all over, it was, like, Kurt's mom filed this missing persons. Like, he must be missing what's going on when, in reality, Courtney had really done it. I wonder if she had told his mom. They never say that. Huh. Like, how weird would that have been if you were his mom? She's like, no, I didn't. What? Yeah. 
So Tom is now monitoring Kurt's apartment and there's no sign of him. He wanted to put someone outside of Courtney's house too in case he returned, but she didn't want him to. She refused to let to have him watch the house. That's weird. Right. She also said that he would most likely be holed up in hotels somewhere in Seattle because he loves staying at fancy hotels. He loves like being at the swankiest and most expensive hotels. And then like for a while, she was calling around to hotels to see was he staying there using his fake names, like his aliases, all this stuff. So when they found a motel with a reservation under the name Kurt used to use, Courtney didn't want anyone to call the motel and and for Kurt to find out that she was looking for him, but to send someone over there to scout it out and watch him. But after 20 minutes, Courtney calls back and said she called the hotel and he wasn't there and don't send anyone over. That's weird. Yeah. Why wouldn't she want them to watch the place if there was a reservation? Right. So then Tom's like, we need to set someone up outside of... Not just that motel, but your house. Like, we need someone outside of your house. If you think he's missing, like, why aren't we looking there? And she just keeps adamantly saying it's a waste of time that Kurt wouldn't be there. And you just, you heard, like, this is part yes. of an interview. Yep. Okay. She, he asked if there's a reason why she doesn't want surveillance on the house. And she said, because it's unneeded. She claims Michael Kelly DeWitt is at the house that she lives in. Um, or who was at the house as the live-in nanny for Frances Bean, their daughter. She says, and he goes by Callie, that's his middle name. She said that Callie would tell them if Kurt shows up. Callie is also a longtime friend and former boyfriend of Courtney Love. What? So now it's Wednesday, April 6th, two days before Kurt's death. Tom wants to move the search back up to Seattle to get more men on the ground looking for Kurt. Courtney says she can't go up there because she has business to do in L.A. Um, he asks if she doesn't tell anyone he's going there because, oh, she he tells her, like, don't tell anyone I'm going to Seattle because if Kurt were to find out that I'm looking for him, he might flee. So as he's getting ready to fly to Seattle, Courtney introduces Tom to Dylan Carlson. She said Dylan would know where all the places that Kurt would hang out and where he would go because he's like one of Kurt's very good friends, like one of his best friends in the whole world. So Tom starts questioning him and asking him on the flight to Seattle, like, well, what do you think? Do you think that Kurt was suicidal? And Dylan says, no, not at all. Like, he might have seemed sad and depressed sometimes, but he was handling it well. But he also says, like, I don't know why Kurt married Courtney. They never get along. They're always fighting. He said in Rome, when Kurt had a drug overdose, he said it wasn't on purpose and it wasn't a suicide attempt. And the media, like, you're going to find out more as we kind of get into it, that this overdose in Rome was never portrayed by the media as a suicide attempt. It was just a drug overdose. overdose. Like, Kurt Cobain had an overdose in Rome. Um, And it was Courtney who had later said it was a suicide attempt. And this, when he died, that wasn't his first attempt at committing suicide. Uh. But there was never any anything to back that up. Um, Tom was also wondering why, if Courtney was so convinced that he was suicidal and he had tried to commit suicide before in Rome, why did she allow him to buy the gun that he now has? Like, she said that he had a shotgun. Well, how could she stop him? Like, I guess, like, she could say that she didn't want him to do it, but could she really stop him? Right. Dylan 
was saying that Kurt was not suicidal and that he was with Kurt when he bought the shotgun and he did, Kurt bought it because there had been a burglary recently at his house and some of his guns had been stolen. He wanted to protect himself and the rest of his belongings. Dylan claims he wouldn't have allowed Kurt to buy the shotgun if he knew he was suicidal. The one thing that, again, we're going to kind of now I'm circling back to it is a drug overdose in Rome. So during this drug overdose, Kurt had drank a ton of champagne on top of on top of taking a bunch of rohypnol and had an accidental drug overdose. Okay. He almost at this point slipped into a coma. At the time, the media, Courtney, Kurt himself were all reporting it as an accidental drug overdose. No one had mentioned an attempted suicide. It wasn't until Kurt died that Courtney started mentioning prior suicide attempts, such as what happened in Rome, that he had swallowed 60 pills in Rome, which would not have been an accidental overdose. That would have been a suicide attempt. Yeah, for sure. That's not an accident. So investigators contacted the doctor in Rome that treated Kurt, and he categorically denied that there were 60 pills in his stomach and that it wasn't a suicide attempt. At the time, both of them said it was an accident, and the doctor confirmed it. Huh. There was evidence, or there was no evidence of prior suicide attempts. So then, when Courtney claims that she received a suicide note from Kurt in Rome, she said that she showed it to detectives, but that the detectives had told her to destroy the letter as it wouldn't do any good. Why destroy it? Those were her exact words on this phone call. That's crazy. She said that they they told her to destroy it because the contents of the letter were not very nice. He was being mean to her in the letter. He um and they told her that she was better off to destroy it before the media would pick it up. Oh, uh, well that makes a little bit more sense, but like I just feel like would detectives really tell you to destroy it? Yeah, I don't know. That, it just doesn't make sense. Yeah, I, I guess, guess yeah, they would say, "We'll do whatever you want with it." I don't know. Yeah, I don't think they would tell you to destroy it, right? Like maybe say that they didn't need it, but yeah, why destroy it? Yeah, that is a little weird. So one day before his death, on April seventh, nineteen ninety four, while Tom was in Seattle with Dylan, Tom mentions to Dylan how Courtney had said that Kurt only stays in super expensive, fancy hotels. And that's where they had been searching all over LA and in Seattle when they got there at like these super expensive places. And Dylan looked kind of like incredulous at him and started laughing and says like, Kurt never stayed at fancy hotels. Like he'll stay at cheap places where he's just going to do drugs and like knock off. So why were you wasting time looking at these fancy yeah, hotels? That's what I, like when you kept saying that, I was like, that makes no sense to me. He's like this grunge artist. Right. Like, it doesn't seem like it and fits. And so Tom was like, was Courtney trying to throw me off by making me look at these hotels and not really look for him? Uh... Did she hire a private in- investigator to make it look like she was trying, trying. to find him? When in reality... She was trying to kill him? Correct. So then they start looking at places in the Aurora Strip to see if anyone had seen him. So they start by going down, like, motels down the Strip. And Dylan said when Kurt would stay at these places, it would be for weeks at a time. And he would pretty much just survive on Coca-Cola or heroin. Coca-Cola or heroin? Coca-Cola and heroin. All right. That's a diet I've never tried. I was about to be like, sounds like an average night to me. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Not quite. Um, another weird part is that during this time when they're like looking for Kurt, Courtney would refuse to talk to Tom and only talk to Dylan. And she would tell him what she wanted Dylan, like what she wanted Tom to do. 
which is weird. Like that if you hire weird. him, why are you just why wouldn't you talk to, to him? him? Right. Yeah. So th- it's at this point, and kind of starting back at the beginning of the documentary, that she wants them to go back to the house and look for the shotgun that Kurt had bought to see if it was in the house or if he had taken it with him. This is what led them to search the house for the shotgun. When they got to the house, they noticed a note from Callie, but it made no sense. And it was addressed to Kurt, and it said, Kurt, I can't believe you managed to get into this house without me noticing. You're a fucking asshole for not calling Courtney and not letting her know you're okay. She's in a lot of pain, Kurt, and this morning she had an accident, and now she's in the hospital again. She's your wife. She loves you. You have a child together. Get it together to at least tell her you're okay, or she's going to die. It's not fair, man. Do something now. So he left that note for him? Yeah. And, like, why did he think Kurt would get into the house, like, at that time? Huh. Wasn't he there every day with their daughter? Like, I'm so confused yeah, by this Yeah, that's weird. So that's when we get to April 8th, 1994, the day Kurt Copain's body was discovered. I didn't know this. It was discovered by an electrician who was doing work on the security light at Kurt Cobain's house. When he got to the house, he looked through the glass door and he saw a body. He reported it to his supervisor and said, I think he shot himself. And what does his supervisor do? Call the media. Call the media. Really? Isn't that wild? He immediately calls a radio DJ and reports what's happening. So it's all over the media that an electrician found Kurt's body in his home in Seattle in the greenhouse. It's a, and the greenhouse was like a dirty room above the garage, like um, a broom closet above the garage. The police got there right away, and they could see that it was a fatality. There was nothing they could do, so they didn't like check the body for pulse or anything like that. Um, they checked for, they looked through his mail or for something with a name on it. And that's when they got his name, Kurt Cobain. It appeared to be suicide by shooting, but it was so severe. They can only identify him by his fingerprints. Really? He was 27 years old. Wow. Now his body had been there. It seemed like for a couple of days, a couple right? of days. Yeah. So Tom and Dylan immediately raced over to the house because Tom was pissed. Like, we were just there last night. How could we have not have found the body? Dylan, as your as his good friend, why didn't you tell me about the greenhouse? He didn't tell him to look there. He like it's above the garage is a separate part of the house. Like you don't oh. notice it unless like you know you know there. to look there. And like Dylan never respond like doesn't say anything. So he's thinking, like, Courtney, again, is having this guy lead him around to place it. Like, so to say, we were at the house. We couldn't find him. But, like, he knew that he was in there. this greenhouse. Huh. Especially when, like, you knew we were looking for a shotgun as well. Like, it's just so wild. So Tom went to the police and told him that he's a hired private investigator by Courtney Love. And he thinks that he could help in the investigation and asked to speak to the detective in charge. And they just completely blow him off. They said, sorry, we're too busy. We, we have, don't need like, you. the investigation to deal with. And he had even told... This is what was wild to me. Because at first I'd be like, okay, crazy. Like, you're a private investigator. Like, you know what I mean? I think I'd be like, okay, this guy's a little off his rocker. But he goes, I'd been in the house the night before. Like, don't you... Don't want to like, talk to me? Want to talk to me? See yeah. if I saw anything? Like, take my fingerprints? Like, nothing. Something, yeah. And they were just like, no, get away from us. Isn't that crazy? That is crazy. So Tom didn't believe that the police were involved um, 
in the beginning or that they were involved in any type of conspiracy around Kurt's death. He thinks Courtney set up like set up everything which had made them assume that it was suicide. The reports coming out to the media said that Kurt was barricaded into his room, but photos from the scene of his death don't show that. The police said that they had said that he was barricaded in the room because the door was locked and that there was a stool blocking the entrance to the French doors, but that wasn't the case. There was like photos from the scene to verify that information, but they also had, and this is going to come back later on like the 20th anniversary of his death. There was a ton of film that they took at the scene of this, like when they discovered the body that they never got developed. They just never developed it. Why? No, like there really was no reason. I think because they're like, it was a suicide. There's nothing Uh, further to look into. So they just never developed it. Got it. But this is when they like Tom brings in these investigators who have a pretty like the forensic investigators who had and I didn't write down their names. I'm like the worst. Go watch the documentary if you want to know their names. But they had a pretty like. Like, one guy had investigated the death of, like, Martin Luther King, of Elvis. Like, they had, like, some really prominent backgrounds of, like, looking at crime scenes, back at crime scenes after the crime occurred to see, like, if they could see anything differently. Yeah. Um, And he was like, that's not a thing. That's not a thing that crime scenes don't get developed. Like, what do you mean they didn't develop them? Like, that should have been something that they did. And there should be an appeal to get them developed. So it was kind of crazy. So then Tom was saying, um, or nothing Tom was saying to the police was convincing them that this was anything other than suicide. That same police officer that was saying this was later fired because he was accused of helping to cover up a theft of money from a criminal investigation and planting evidence at a homicide scene. The photographs um, from Kurt's like death uh, remain to this day in the possession of the Seattle PD. So the other thing is the Seattle Police Department let the patrol officer who responded to the call determine that it was a suicide without any other input or investigation. So the met, like a medical examiner never did? Mm-mm. He never was an autopsy or anything? So like, again, detectives are like, that's not like people looking back at this are like, that's not a thing. You don't let patrol officers make that decision. Like, how could he do that? Yeah. But it just seemed like in 1994, they were like, was a suicide and this i shouldn't say 1994 in seattle in 1994 yeah they're like looks like a suicide then it's a suicide so by their negligent death investigation seattle police allow kurt cobain to be cremated six days after being discovered jesus they waited 30 days to process the shotgun for fingerprints they gave Corny Love the shotgun to have it melted down immediately after, after and allowed the greenhouse crime scene to be torn down and destroyed. That's wild. Isn't that crazy? They So he was cremated before they even tested the gun for fingerprints? Yeah. That's insane to me. Isn't that crazy? That alone right there is like, what the fuck? Then there was the media misinformation. The media was saying they had thrown a chair through the window and a drug-fueled binge and then picked up his shotgun using his thumb to shoot himself in the head and that his face was so disfigured that he wasn't recognizable because I had mentioned that before. You did, right? yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, one of the first responders said, you know, it's weird actually when you have a shotgun suicide, it's usually devastating like you usually cannot like it blows off your whole face like you can't recognize anyone but with Kurt 
We could. He was recognizable. The police report says that he had found Kurt Cobain's wallet from the floor, took it out, removed the driver's license, and put it on top of the wall to take a photo. The media went into a frenzy saying that he left his driver's license out and exposed purposely because he, because Kurt knew he wouldn't be recognized once he shot himself. But that was false. Huh. Another thing is that the media was reporting that a statement in his suicide note that says, I can't live my life like this any longer, but that's not in the suicide note. And the only people of information on the suicide note is Courtney, the police, and Tom. So he thinks that she's leaking out something different than what was in the note because she wanted to control what the media media said was in it. Which, I don't know, to me that's like, whatever. Yeah, big deal. But now, this is the huge thing to me. Let's look at his toxicology report. Ooh. His toxicology report shows a heroin level of 1.52 milligrams per liter. Is that a lot? Five... So it says here, 1.52, 5 milligrams will provide a level of 0.35. Oh, that sounds like a lot. Most users, even heavy users, usually only get to 0.420 in one hit. So to reach 1.52 milligrams, you're taking about an amount of over 200 milligrams, three times the amount that would be considered lethal. So somebody hot shot him? So here's the thing, though. There's not a single case in reported history that someone would have that level of heroin and still remain conscious. So we're made to believe that he pulled the needle out of his arm, put his kid away neatly, pulled out a gun, and then shot himself. Yeah, that sounds a little unlikely, to say the least. To say the least. And why would he shoot himself before the drug takes effect if that's the case? Also, there is no case in which someone injected himself with a large amount of heroin and then proceeded to kill themselves. Like, there's, you know, like none of it makes sense. Right, it doesn't fit. So, now, if the medical examiner would make public the autopsy report, but they won't, not one would be released, which is weird because normally autopsy reports are public records, but in this case, they will not release them. Really? Mm -hmm. Why? How can they do that? I don't know. Now, there's another documentary that came out in the 90s called Kurt and Courtney by Nick Bloomfield, which like I actually really like Nick Bloomfield, but whatever. And in it, he actually, he claims that he proves Tom wrong because he had a guy who could stand on one leg after taking the same amount of heroin as Kurt. But the problem with this is that the guy took methadone and not heroin and he swallowed it and didn't inject it. Methadone is a pain medication and is used to treat heroin addiction and because it's taken orally, its effects are much slower. It could take an hour or two to reach the, the same height strength. Heroin, when administered by needle, goes immediately into the bloodstream and immediately to the brain. Now, here's something else. The shotgun shell. Seattle's police report indicate that the shotgun was upside down with Kurt's left hand grasping the barrel in a vice-like grip known as the cadaver spasm. The cadaver spasm only occurs in death. 
This occurrence shows the precise orientation of the deceased at the exact moment of death. This seems pretty straightforward until you take into account that the shotgun shell was on the left side of Kurt, opposite of where you'd expect to find the shell. The exit chamber of the gun was on his right side. So the shotgun shell should have been on the right side. The police con concluded that when Kurt shot the shotgun, the, sh <laughs> the gun flipped upside down, expelling the shell to the left to its final resting position that it was found in. But like shotguns just don't flip upside down when you shoot them. You know what I mean? Okay. And it ignores the cadaver spasm. In order for this to have occurred, his wrist would have had to have twist into an on a on a top. What's that word? On an unhumanly way. <laughs> I really don't know what you're trying to say. <laughs> you know, anatomy un an. Un anatomical? Yes, unanatomical. <laughs> that isn't a word. Unanatomical? They said it in the movie. The only way the shell could have been on his left side um, as when it was dispelled is if it hit something and then ricocheted to his left. But there was no obstruction noted in the crime scene photos or the notes. The only other thing is that someone else was with him in the greenhouse when the trigger was pulled. Now, this is also interesting. Kurt made a phone call to Rosemary Carroll from Munich, Germany on March 1st of 1994. Rosemary Carroll, Carroll was their lawyer. Okay. He requested, he was also, she was also the godmother of Francis Bean. He requested that Courtney be removed from his will moments before going on stage for the last time. Two days later, a result of near fatal levels over hypnol dissolved in champagne. Kurt was rushed to the hospital in Rome. Interesting that he was requesting her out of the will, and then... Then he ends up in the hospital. And then he died before the will was changed. Hmm. Coincidence? Right. What I also find weird is that at least five people, including Seattle police officers, had been to the house in Lake Washington searching for Kurt during daylight hours and failed to see Kurt lying dead in the greenhouse. That's so weird. Isn't that weird? I just thought that was weird. But anyways, Rosemary Carroll also believes that the suicide note that was found was forged and that it was someone faking his writing using his past, like, past things that he had written in notes and, like, musical lyrics and stuff. Like, they compiled it all together to write the suicide note. Okay. Now... Rosemary Carroll now denies ever saying any of this and has threatened to sue Tom for releasing any of this information. But he's recorded these conversations and he's released them in this video. So she's full of shit. And the handwriting on the note looks different at the bottom than it does in the body of the note. Oh. A forensic document examiner was brought in to review the suicide note and some other documents that have been found in Courtney Love's possession. Guess what was found what? in possession of Courtney Love from a backpack that she had? It looked like, you know how like little kids have like the writing where it's like the line paper oh, with yeah, the yeah, dashes yeah, yeah, yeah. to practice handwriting? She had that in there and was practicing Kurt's handwriting. Really? Like it looked <sighs> like she was like tracing his handwriting. That's wild. Isn't that crazy? So the forensic examiner looked at both the um, suicide note and the letters 
or the practice letters that Courtney had been saying, and she saw letter combinations in both the bottom portion of the suicide note that are the same and the practice notes that Courtney had had been practicing and writing. She thinks that the last few lines of the letter were written by someone else. And the largest part of the note and the biggest portion at the top talks about his relationship with music and his love for music, but it's only the very bottom part of the note that talks about his relationship with his family and any notes of suicide. And there's another um, linguistically interesting thing of the final four lines of the note. What? That most of us would call a stereotypical suicide note. So, like, usually in a suicide note, people would be like, I love you. You'll be better off without me. Right. Like, apologizing, whatever. Those are the kind of things that you would expect to find or even an overkill. But none of that was in Kurt's letter. Really? Then you come to find out that Dylan, that guy who was supposed to be helping find Kurt, was being supported 100% financially and with heroin by Courtney Love. He depended uh, on her and would do whatever she, she wanted. It's believed that he was sent to work with Tom in order to throw him off and actually lead him astray as to what was actually happening, but make it still look like Courtney was hired a PI to help find Kurt. Hmm. One thing that was also shady. Right. So, and the reason why Tom was like kind of so invested in this and wanting to find out the truth was that he said like after the announcement of Kurt's suicide, there was like a huge rash of suicides by teens during that time um, that were doing these copycat suicides. To date, there had been 68 copycat suicides linked to Kurt Cobain. And Tom didn't want any more deaths to be attributed to Kurt if if he was truly murdered. Right. So he sent Courtney a letter stating that he was going to continue to investigate Kurt's death, but not as her hired PI. He was doing it on his own without any further charge and pretty much implying that he thinks she was she involved. Did. Courtney called him and she actually didn't seem like that upset. And in these phone recordings, um, she's like telling him that she believes that in his heart that Callie, the like housekeeper knew more than he's leading on to that. Courtney thinks that Callie had heard a gunshot and didn't go to investigate it. Cause he didn't want to be involved and like all of these things and trying to pin it like on other people. She then tells Tom that she'll bring him the coroner's report and that he'll owe her a big fucking apology when it turns out that Tom's wrong and it points to suicide. But Courtney never meets with Tom again and Mm. never speaks to him again. Shady, shady, Ms. Love. So here's kind of a full breakdown and a timeline of what we know happened to Kurt. After a recent burglary, Kurt buys a Remington M2, whatever they're called, shotgun. The shotgun was registered to Dylan Carlson, not to Kurt. Say what now? His best friend. He takes a flight from Seattle to Los Angeles, and eight days before his body was discovered, he had entered a rehab in Los Angeles. At the time, the nanny Jack Ferry and Francis Bean visit Kurt in Exodus Rehab. During his time in rehab, Courtney made 13 unanswered phone calls to Kurt, but Courtney tells Tom she had only made one phone call that day. Um, seven days before his body was discovered, he left rehab and boarded a flight to Seattle. He chose not to see Courtney before leaving, even though she was 10 miles away. He arrives home at 1.30 a.m., and at 6.05, Kurt calls Callie and his girlfriend, Jessica Hopper, in Callie's bedroom. 
or visits, sorry, not calls. So he goes into the bedroom um, in their Lake Washington house. He was then seen for the last time on April 2nd. Courtney calls to talk to Callie um, like six times on April 2nd, according to phone records. But Courtney does not reveal Kurt was seen when she hires Tom on April 3rd. So Courtney knew that Kurt was at the Lake Washington house because Callie saw him and he told her, Callie told Courtney that he had saw Kurt on April 2nd. But she told Kurt, Tom, that he had gone missing and no one had seen him. So that was like about it. However, Kurt and Courtney had a prenup. We knew that they were going forward with divorce proceedings. If that happened, she would have gotten a small settlement as a result of the prenup. But when he died, she co-inherited worth possibly more than a billion dollars in residual royalties. Oh, jeez. I mean, there's your motive. Seriously. Right there. Huge motive. But no one, that's like kind of it. Like no one really says like how he was murdered though. Like who would have done it? Like who shot him? Was it someone hired by Courtney? Was yeah. it the housekeeper? Like was he given an overdose? Was it just an overdose of drugs? He didn't even really need to be shot. Like, people say, like, people on there, investigators were like, the easiest way to commit murder is to kill a junkie because no one's going to look into it further. They're just going to say they committed suicide. Wow. So that's the other thing. So on the 20th anniversary, the Seattle, a lot of people were pushing for the Seattle PD to open the case. Yeah. And one of the detectives on the case got a bunch of the photos that had never been developed, developed, and now he's pushing. He thinks that it should be reopened and that it was not a suicide, but really? they're not moving forward with it. Huh. Isn't that crazy? That is crazy. So what do you think? Murder or suicide? I just think it's wild to have I what I think is crazy is I think how could he have that much heroin in him and still be able to operate Yeah that a that's the crazy part That's that, the crazy part to me That is really shocking that his that the level of heroin in his body could be so high and he could still operate a gun more or less a shotgun like and a like shotgun my, is is a long right. gun and takes coordination to shoot and yourself in the head And my thing is too is like like you've seen people give themselves like and and I say this movies. TV yeah, shows, so you've seen someone give like, themselves drugs. I've seen drugs? some. Um, like, do you ever? Do you remember when they first started the show True Life on MTV? One of the first ones they followed was True Life. I'm a heroin addict. Yeah, I do remember it. Yeah, and I remember like they would put the needle in their arm, and sometimes they would give themselves like, such a dose they would just nod instant. off immediately. Yep. Yeah, like his heroin kit was like fully put away. The thing was off of his arm. The needle was back in the kit. Like everything was cleaned up. Yeah, that's that's crazy. Like, if he was at that, I just don't know, man. How could it be that clean and neat? And how did they not fingerprint the shotgun? Like nothing's been released from that. Whose fingerprints were on it? Fingerprint the shotgun. You don't find the body for two days after someone said they were in the house the night before. Right. Like that's like there's just so many loose ends. It's crazy to me that it wasn't investigated. They say that at the all. suicide note is forged. Like all of this stuff seems crazy. Yeah, that's wild. I didn't know that there were that many inconsistencies. Holes, inconsistencies. Yeah. That's the word I was looking for. I knew there was some questions about it, but yeah, that's wild. So, what do you think? I think he was murdered. Me too. The drugs are just like a smoking gun to me. 
I know. That's that's my biggest smoking gun is the drugs. How could you have that much in your system? Like I think about in my drunkest moments, like having the coordination to shoot yourself in the head. No. Like I don't know. Like I just think I it's just, wild. That yeah. just seems wild to me. That seems wild. Guys, let us know what you think. Jump in the Facebook group. It just makes sense. Podcast discussion group. Let us know if you think it was murder or suicide. Yeah. Let us know what you think about Courtney Love. She's crazy. Also, I wonder whatever what's going on with Frances Bean. Don't hear much from her. I, you know, I checked with the research department, and she is gorge. Oh, is she? She is. They well, like Courtney and Kurt are both gorge. Gorge, you know, Gorgina. All right. Well, you can follow us on Instagram at Just Makes Sense Podcast. You can follow me at WW Sam and the Buff. Follow me at Jeff Seif on Twitter. One Don't forget Jeff. to like, subscribe, listen, listen, listen. Make your friends listen. Just play it on your parents' phone. Get us the listens. Please. Thank you. Bye. Bye.